Welcome to the second episode of the Sped and Nick Show. Uh, Nick Himovich, Spencer Ez here right now to uh, talk about all kinds of things like, I don't know, innovation, learning, design, business, um, stuff that makes us tick, stuff that makes us better. So um, why don't we just quickly talk about last week and what we got up to with the podcast, with some of the materials, some of the uh, footage that we recorded. Um, I think it down. Yeah, definitely. Went down but before well. that, should we just address the elephant in the room? <laughs> what, what's the elephant in the room? Talk to me. I think we both got the memo for the uh, the colour this week. We which have, I, which I'm pretty happy about. We yeah, um, I think mustard's in right. So yellowy mustard is definitely hot at the moment. I've got the yellow jumper on. You've got the yellow tee. Um, yeah, looking good. I think we we coordinated. I think um, great minds think alike. It wasn't planned, but it feels right. It feels right. It feels like we're coming together. We're even closer than we ever have been. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> even though you're in Essex and I'm in Wimbledon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think we're looking good. Um, and loving your little setup. Things are improving over there as well. So that's always good. We've got going We're on. sideways now. We're sideways. We're not um, pa- um, portrait mode anymore. Yeah, we're experimenting. This is going to be uh, something we try to do a lot. Um, and now that we're sideways, we think that we're going to be able to release this perhaps to maybe YouTube, um, maybe do some different stuff for LinkedIn and maybe even try some different cutting and different, uh, different ratios for, for Instagram and stuff like that as well. So yeah, good. Experimenting all the time. I've got a bit of a different setup going on as well. So I've got a a mic, so I'm just trying to capture a bit of better audio. Um, got a bit more stuff going on around me with table, actual tables and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, it feels, it feels good. It feels like it's coming together. All right, so let's talk about last week. Um, what was the feedback like? What have you heard, Spencer? <sighs> yeah, uh, pretty good, actually, overall. Um, I think some really interesting things. So, actually, one guy uh, phoned, phoned me, a good friend of ours, um, Joe. Hey, Joe, if you're listening. Um, Joe, Joseph <laughs> Charm. <laughs> uh, awesome. He phoned, like, as soon as he listened to it. In fact, literally, as he stopped listening to the podcast version, he phoned up straight away um, and just gave us some some direct feedback, which was, you know, it sounds really good. There's good chemistry, but there's a bunch of improvements that we need to be thinking about. One of them in particular is... We had great fun just chatting to each other because we really enjoy talking to each other. But actually, we kind of forgot, I think, or at least it appeared like we forgot that there is an audience, potentially, I hope, there's an audience that are listening to this, uh, watching this. And so maybe we need to kind of think about how to include and make sure, include them a bit more and think about um, how the audience will be listening to this stuff. So perhaps doing some more description stuff. I think that's a great bit of feedback. We're definitely going to take that on board. Um it also talked about things like maybe adding some music, some like little different features like that. Totally, that's going to come, I think. But at the moment, this is all about smashing something out as quickly as possible, frictionless as possible, something that can literally we can record, we can get it released and shipped as quickly as we can without any uh, kind of messing can, around. Can I jump in here, actually? Can yeah, we do man. an extension of um, what we covered last week, actually? I think this is a nice transition, a nice segue to talk about uh, minimum viable product again cool because i feel like the minimum viable product is such an important concept to grasp to help you get an idea off the ground and turn it into reality but the thing is i'm so surprised by the amount of people that haven't heard of it before um so the minimum viable product is this idea where you build the simplest form of prototype that you can 
so that you can get your idea out of the, in the world and actually get feedback from potential customers. Um, you don't necessarily, some people say, oh, I can't create um, a really bad, cheap product and ship that out to all my customers. Um, in those cases, that, that, that's not quite right. What we're saying is that you want to get your um, product out to just like a few um, customers, a small subset of your customers, ones that you know that, that can give you feedback and won't mind having something that's a little bit rougher so that you can actually see whether your idea is any good and whether people want to buy it or not. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of what we're doing with this podcast, right, Spencer? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's a really good thing to come back to that because... I think some of the things that we were talking about weren't necessarily spot on with the description. And so I think what we tried to capture about the, the, the importance of minimum viable product, product is that you should be testing hypotheses and assumptions in order to move on one step closer to being able to realize your full vision. And it's not necessarily what I think where people do understand a little bit about minimum viable product, but they often get it wrong, is that they try to build a simplified version of the whole thing and they they test that get some results and that's the only test that they do for me it's about constant cycles of iteration constant testing in order to continue to valid, validate different hypotheses that you've got when you're trying to make something better and that continuous improvement and continuous testing is the one of the key concepts of the lean startup and the lean methodology and approach um, but what we can't do is just build one thing, do a test, and then hope that it's all kind of everything's going to be great in the end. It's constantly iterating and, and evolving. So it's exactly what we're doing. We've done our first MVP. This is really our second MVP. The next thing that we do is going to be our third one. The next one's going to be fourth. And it's just constantly thinking about that mindset of, of experimentation, I think, which is so important. So um, that leads on quite well, actually, now to what we wanted to talk about, this um, entrepreneurship mind mindset, doesn't it, Spencer? Yeah, absolutely. So a quick story about, about why I thought actually talking about being an entrepreneur, this word entrepreneur and other th aspects of kind of entrepreneurship is, is important. Um, I saw a video on LinkedIn uh, last week, which I think is a brilliant video. It's done the rounds a few times. Um, it kind of explains one of the concepts in a kind of an anal analogy really, really well for, for being an entrepreneur, which is, and the video is like this beautifully shot, um, be like bear climbing up this, this snow covered mountain. It's almost like a vertical slope. It's so steep, this slope. And this bear climbs up to the top of this mountain. And you see when the camera pans out a little bit that there's a little baby bear climbing after it's like mum or dad as well. It's really, really pretty, really nice, great shot. And this little bear is climbing up to the top, but falls down. It slips on the on the ice and the snow and falls down the slope. And then it climbs back up and it slips again and climbs back up and slips again. And then like the seventh or eighth top time, it's nearly at the top, just about to join its parent bear again. And it slides all the way back down to the bottom. Eventually, after like the 10th go or something, this bear makes it all the way to the top of this snow-covered mountain again. And, and the story there being, the, the analogy being that entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur is, is all about resilience. It's about perseverance. Carry on. Keep on going. Pick yourself up when you get knocked down. Do an MVP test and it fails, right? Pick yourself up. Test something else and kind of move on to the next thing. And that constant like being beaten down but, but, but getting back up. And I think it's a really nice... Um, kind of image and uh, an uh, analogy about being what being an entrepreneur is one thing that got, really kind of got me thinking was in one of the um, comments on this LinkedIn post there was a guy that said 
um, he said, I, I think I understand the point of this, but I don't call myself an entrepreneur. If I did, that would make me a prick. And I was like, shit, like, what is the hang up here? What is going on with the fact that you call out that if you would call yourself an entrepreneur, that you would class yourself as a prick or that would make you a prick? And the things that are instantly going through my mind are, is this guy got some kind of um, aversion to the word entrepreneur? Is it that he actually hasn't started a business and therefore can't class classify himself as an entrepreneur? Is it actually that he thinks all entrepreneurs are pricks uh, or yeah. anyone that calls himself an entrepreneur is a prick? Like, what, what is going on with this? So I was like, well, am I an entrepreneur? Do I class myself as an entrepreneur? What actually is an entrepreneur? Am uh, I a prick? Do I class myself <laughs> as a prick? <laughs> am, I, am I a prick? I mean... Often, right? <laughs> but, uh, what are your what are your thoughts about that? About that word entrepreneur? Do you class yourself as an entrepreneur? What what do you think? So I I, I actually um, associate a lot with that guy because I find it quite difficult to call myself an entrepreneur because I feel that I'm I'm still just a sole trader. Um, you know, I haven't got a limited company yet, and um, I don't have anyone working for me. And typically, when we think of entrepreneurs, we think of the rich, uh, Richard Branson's or maybe the Lord Sugars of the world, where they've got quite a lot of employees um, and large organisations. And so I feel there's this kind of... Uh, and also I heard, I think it was Lord Sugar say that he never called himself an entrepreneur, he called himself a businessman. And he said that it was other people that called him an entrepreneur. And so from hearing someone like that say that, I thought to myself, well... Who am I to call myself an entrepreneur? But there was a little bit of a um, friction, though, because I've tried to change my Instagram account to a business account, and it, you've got to categorise yourself. And I actually probably uh, felt most closely associated to the entrepreneur option more than the others, but still, I didn't feel it was the right box. So I've really struggled with this word. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to, to get your take on it a little bit more. Uh, that... And, and I totally get that as well. I, I completely understand that 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 perspective. I think now that you've classified yourself on LinkedIn as entrepreneur, that makes it official. So congratulations. Instagram, Instagram. Instagram oh, on Instagram. Instagram. Okay, sorry, I thought you said LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Instagram. Congratulations, you are now officially, therefore, an entrepreneur. But I actually did some research into this quite recently. And um, because I was, doing a, I was writing a paper about how to create... Um, like how to educate people in, in entrepreneurship and how to create a kind of the future of entrepreneurship, possibly through universities or other kind of ways of educating people. And the kind of dictionary definition of an entrepreneur, and I'm just going to read this out, um, is an entrepreneur is someone who makes money by starting their own business, especially when this involves seeing new opportunity and taking risks. So I think by all of those measures, you would definitely be an entrepreneur. I'm definitely an entrepreneur. We're both starting our own businesses. We both have started businesses previously as well. We're definitely taking elements of risks and we're definitely trying to seek new opportunities. So kind of if, if that's what an entrepreneur is, then we would definitely classify, classify ourselves as those things. So I guess like, just but just to pick up on one of the points that you made earlier about the kind of Bransons of the world, they would definitely be multi-entrepreneurs, multiple entrepreneurs or you know, they founded lots of companies and started lots of companies. Um, and I think there's a, perhaps a difference, therefore, of like a, um, 
you know, an entrepreneur that's done that many times and someone who's done it once or twice. Even though you've only done it once or twice, you'd still be definitely be an entrepreneur. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I th also, the way that I'm kind of um, reconciling it in my mind is that I think um, I've read a quote somewhere that said, the job of an entrepreneur is innovation, is to innovate. Mm. Yeah. And that's how I think it was Steve Jobs that said that, although I might be wrong. And I feel like innovation is my favorite topic. It's something that I feel like I understand how it works. It's something that I try and do as much as possible. And I educate people on innovation. And that's something I feel really confident with. And so in that sense, I'm an entrepreneur because innovation is what I do. Uh, do you see that there's a difference between being an entrepreneur and being an innovator? I like to think of innovation as the action, the verb, and entrepreneurship as the um, noun, the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I, and that reminds me of um, Austin Kleon's book where he talks about uh, be the verb, not the noun. So it, rather than class, classifying yourself as a creative, just be creative, be the verb, like do the stuff rather than yeah. look for the title. So maybe if you kind of, if you want to be more entrepreneurial, then, you know, be, be, do the innovation, do the stuff, actually do, you know, add value and start to have an impact on the world and start to, you know, see if you can create some wealth from an organization. And that, that, that's a good thing. That makes me, that, that makes me feel more comfortable. And it also reminds me of things like, I hate calling people like a prick or calling people idiots or, because actually, I, don't, I think it's wrong to brand someone like the noun, the name. I think it's more important to talk about the behaviour rather than the identity of the person. And so I like to think that um, people, when they do something that I don't agree with, um, they're being or they're doing something that is idiotic, maybe, or doing Correct. something that's, that's, that I don't agree with or yeah. is a, a, I, I class as a bad behaviour. But that doesn't make them inherently an idiot or a prick absolutely so when you said earlier i love I, how we're going back and using these examples quite a lot as well yeah this is great like when you said earlier you're a prick <laughs> like actually <laughs> at times probably i have some behaviors that some would deem to be quite prickish i was interested to hear what you're going to say how you're going to uh, use that word in that context when i was a teacher i used to like you you couldn't call a, a, a pupil a, a child an idiot or a fool or like something like that you couldn't do it but what i used to say and this is probably really bad practice so if there are any teachers or educationalists out there um that want to give us any comments on this i do feel free but uh, i wouldn't necessarily do uh, suggest that this is a good strategy but I would say to someone who is acting foolishly, are you a fool? And they would say, well, no. And I'm like, well, don't act like a fool then, because at the moment you're acting like one and you're not one. Stop, stop acting like one. Let's start, start thinking about our behaviours a bit more. And like, I think that that's sounds a like classic teacher, um, <laughs> kind of something a teacher would say. That was definitely before you were Spencer, Spenny or Spen. That was when you were Mr. Ayres. Definitely sure. Sir, actually, I think, at this one. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had elbow patches, tweed jacket, the lot. Oh, yeah. Of course you did, <laughs> because you were a teacher. Exactly. Now, Rather than just... Um, and that goes well to the, the behaviour of teaching as well. You embodied the identity of a teacher. You have to take on these personas, right? It's all Teaching is just acting, really. 
in many ways. Mm. Um, back onto this idea of entrepreneurship, because I do want to kind of pick out this, this additional point about being an entrepreneur and having an entrepreneurial mindset and acting like an entrepreneur, if you like, and those behaviors around entrepreneurship are quite different, different things for me. Um, I think you have a classification of an entrepreneur for sure, and we've kind of got that set definition, but we don't necessarily have a definition of the entrepreneurial mindset. And when I did this piece, bit of research previously uh, back in the summer, I came up with what I thought a convincing definition of the entrepreneurial mindset could be. So I'm going to read this out and I would love to get your, your, your thoughts and your initial um, ideas about whether or not this is, this is a broadly accurate for what an entrepreneurial mindset is. So it's uh, someone with the behaviors and attitudes to continually improve their life or their impact on the world, especially when this involves seeing a new opportunity and taking risks. What do you reckon about that as a definition for the entrepreneurial mindset? Well, I, I, I heard the word, because for me, the definition of the mindset is the values, attitudes or beliefs that lead you to act in a certain way. And so it's interesting that you've grouped in behaviours early on in that, because you said it's both the attitudes and behaviours. Um, what was the second part again? So to continually improve your life, their lives and the impact or the impact on the world. I think this is an important definition and I think this is more important than ever with the um, environmental difficulties and social challenges that we're facing. And so I think before it was all just about making money and all about looking after yourself. But I think if we can integrate, you know, that second part into the definition and have that be part of what it is, I think that's going to be much better for the world. And I think we have to move to that definition because we can't go on as we are because the world's not going to be here anymore if we don't. I think that's great. I think that's so right. In fact, just, just that perspective on it alone has made me realise that the original definition of entrepreneur actually is not right because it says about starting business, makes money by starting a business. And actually, you can be an amazing entrepreneur if it's a social, for social good, you know, social entrepreneurship or it's a charity, or it's something about improving the world, may, may not be creating personal wealth and making yourself money, but that is definitely being an entrepreneur. So I think actually that original definition is completely wrong, and we're already moving towards kind of an understanding of a better definition that we can get to. So that's, that's really good. I, but I, I also take on board your mixing behaviours and attitudes, almost mixing actions and mindsets, which is not quite right. So yeah. I'll, I'll see if we can uh, sculpt that, that phrasing a little bit to, to help, um, help get some clarity on it. What I feel, though, is I feel like we're completing the circle nicely because I feel now more comfortable about defining myself as a entrepreneur. That's awesome. That is, um, that's, that's, that's really, really good to hear. And of course, being an entrepreneur, all of the values, all of the attitudes, that mindset that you need to have is, you know, there's so many things involved in that. It includes things like resilience, drive, determination, passion. It includes having a sense of purpose, wanting that burning desire and fire in your belly to go and do something and make a change. And, and whether that's an individual change that's going to make you money or if that's a change for the, the greater good in society, then that's all really positive. There's also this idea, I think, of not, not being fixed in who you are and what your abilities and what you can do and the impact that you can have. And of course, you, it's really hard for me, it's really hard to think of mindset in any, in any kind of field or capacity without thinking about growth mindset. And this is the thing 
that kind of underpins so much of what we believe I think around around the importance of mindset so any kind of ideas and thoughts and like maybe explanation for anyone that might not have heard of growth mindset um, that, that you want to talk about yeah definitely so well we've got the book right here I don't know if you've got your copy as well um, it's just on my shelf in the other room mindset by Carol Dweck and so this is where the concept of the fixed and growth mindsets come from and I think it's really important to understand the, the difference between the two because the research from Carol Dweck suggests that people with a growth mindset are more likely to be successful um, in their work and in their personal lives than those that have a fixed mindset. Um, and what, what, the, what the theory says is that you have a certain belief about yourself, which is that you either believe that your intelligence and your capabilities are um, fixed, i.e. they can't change what you're born with, your intelligence, um, you can't become more intelligent. Um, and then in terms of um, uh, uh, the uh, growth mindset, it says that actually what you believe is that you can develop, you can grow, you can learn more, you can become more intelligent. And just that belief has a massive impact on your life because it changes the way that you behave, actually going back to what we were talking about before. Because if, for example, you see um, a big challenge in front of you and you've got a fixed mindset, whether you go, oh, there's no, you know, there's no point in giving that, giving that a go because I know that I can't do it because I'm not that clever. Or equally, you might go, well, actually, I am clever and I am really good at challenges, but I don't want to do that challenge, though, because if I fail and, and look bad, that means that I'm no longer a clever person or a capable person. So it makes you kind of step back away from challenges a little bit. It also makes you think about effort differently. With When you've got a growth mindset, you tend to try and um, put in, like you, th you see effort as a path to success. Whereas someone with a fixed mindset generally thinks, oh, well, if I was good, I wouldn't have to try. So there's quite a big difference there. Um, also, people with a fixed mindset tend to be kind of um, a little bit worried about the success of others because they think it makes them look bad. Like, And there's only so much success to go around um, is their perception. Whereas the growth mindset is more like, actually, you're inspired by other people's success. And um, it means that if you can see someone else doing it, then maybe you can do that too. So those are some of the elements or kind of um, parts of the growth and fixed mindset. And I think understanding that can help you understand, oh, where in my life have I got more of a growth mindset kind of approach and where have I got more of a fixed mindset approach? Because it's really tough to have a growth mindset in all areas of your life. Um, you might have a really growth mindset in, at work, constantly looking for challenges, constantly looking to learn, constantly looking to um, be inspired by people and do new things. Whereas uh, um, you might have another area of your life, like maybe with your health, you might have a fixed mindset going, I'm not the kind of person that goes to the gym. I'm not the kind of person that eats healthy. And then, so what's the point in trying, mm. you know? And I think that's another key thing around this theory is that people think, oh, you're either a fixed mindset or a growth mindset person. But actually, I think it's more of it's a scale and it applies to different areas of your life. So yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on the on the on mindset. Um, what do you, what do you think, Spencer? Yeah, I think that final point is so important to to emphasize and to keep emphasizing. It's not binary. You're not purely growth mindset versus purely fixed mindset. Um, you can be growth or fixed and a, and a variety across that kind of spectrum for all kinds of different aspects of your life. Now, I've got kind of two 
two stories about this that might kind of help to to kind of bring it to life. The first one is is on that point of fixed fixed versus mindset across different aspects of your life. I've for the probably for the last definitely for the last ten years, I've thought of myself as having a growth mindset, particularly when it comes to learning and work-based stuff and ambition and thinking that I've got this, I can do a lot of stuff. And there was a there was a kind of pivotal moment where things changed for me in that. But I've never been able to apply that to my own physical health and fitness. And I've always That's had a bit of extra weight. Um, I've had, you know, definitely carrying a little bit of extra fat, particularly around the belly. And I've had this since I was a, since I was a kid. In fact, I've been pretty much the same weight from the age of 14 until nearly 40, about 38. And, um, and I just kind of took it for granted that that's what I was. I was fixed in my kind of size. And it was only a year, just over a year ago, that this started to change and some pennies started to drop for me. When I did actually manage to lose about 10 kilos in a month, I went on to a really kind of bonkers, low-calorie diet, um, started to exercise a huge amount, and managed to, to not only like get rid of a bunch of that weight, about 10 kilos, but also managed to keep it off and continued with uh, with that exercise regime pretty much daily. And, you know, to the point where only a couple of weeks ago, as you know, I managed to achieve like a massive milestone for me. A year ago, I could barely run two kilometers in one go. I managed to do a half marathon like three, four weeks ago, which was amazing. There's no way I thought that I could do that. So that was a massive moment for unleashing or completely changing that idea of of my fixed mindset around my fitness and health so 100 percent really quickly actually your, your thoughts on that i mean you know that that what that journey has been like for me yeah no it's been beautiful to see it as well to see you go from not having run and then saying oh nick i just did a 2k run and then you went oh nick i just did my first five or six k run yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like oh wait i just did my 10 first 10k yeah because i'd said to you oh, i just did a 10k and then i think that set the cogs going for you you were like oh, i better do a 10k as well 100 percent. Um, yeah 100 percent. and then and then i was like oh, i'm doing my half marathon and you were like well i'm gonna do a half marathon <laughs> and so what it what i think was special was that you saw someone else doing it that you train with and in other areas of the cardio, you can destroy me. So you must have thought, well, actually, if Nick can do it, why can't I do it? And and so I think that I want to bring this on a little bit to this idea of entrepreneurship, actually, again. Because I never thought of myself as like a business person or someone that really likes money or whatever. I, was, I thought actually money was a bad thing. But then I went to Colombia. And while I was there, my ex-girlfriend, her dad was an entrepreneur, a very successful businessman. Um, and it was really interesting hearing his background because he's, he said his background, like he was really poor when he um, grew up. He didn't have, you know, I don't think he had his parents. Um, he, had to, he grew up, um, uh, I think, with different family members. He said he didn't even have enough kind of money for shoes just as a kid. Um, but then he was able to um, go through that difficulty and all those challenges but and still become a successful entrepreneur. And so I feel like, um, and I saw the um, outcome of that in the sense that he had a big office in the centre of town. He had a beautiful house. He had an amazing kind of country home. He used to go on holidays all the time. And, you know, big, big company. And it was really, really successful. And seeing that and knowing his story made me realise, oh, actually, maybe it's possible for me to do the same. You know, because I didn't have all those difficulties. Like, why can't I do that too? And so it really inspired me and it switched on my growth mindset in terms of business. And so I think that's a similar story as, as your one, Spencer, being inspired by someone else, seeing that 
what's the difference between us, we can all do it, and then just going for it. And I think that's the real value of the growth mindset and understanding it. Yeah, 100%. And actually, without getting into too much kind of education theory on it, there is something that, that um, like an alarm that kind of triggers off for me with this, or, or a, um, and it's worth pulling this out, which is there's a guy called uh, Vygotsky who came up with a learning theory many, many years ago. And it's the thing called the zone of proximal development. And I think this relates to a lot of aspects of our life, not just our, our kind of learning, particularly not just learning when you're a kid. But the zone of proximal development is essentially this idea of scaffolding each other in a peer peer-based learning kind of world where you are learning from each other learning from different people you've got one person that's a little bit better at something than you and you kind of follow them and you kind of come up and they continue to learn and the more they help you the more they learn themselves and you kind of keep supporting each other and scaffolding each other until you get higher and higher and better and better with your learning and I think just that proximity that you can have to someone you can actually help on help you and rub up rub off on you if you've got the right the right kind of ways to look at things and the right aspects and the right mindsets in order to um, to be able to grow with that person. So I remember this when I first started working with startups, just being around other founders, being in the entrepreneurial community helped completely change what I thought about my career and trajectory, literally from being in the same room as people because I was hearing conversations and understanding things. So that idea of the zone of proximal development, I think is something which is, theoretical stuff from like the 1960s I think um, but actually it applies to many aspects of our, of our lives and, and if we can look out for those opportunities then that's going to surely stand us in, in better stead in the future. So it reminds me of uh, an old saying that my mum's um, you know says the whole time she's always said to me since I was a little she says um, in Spanish dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres and that means tell me who you hang around with and I will tell you who you are. And um, I think that perfectly describes what we're talking about now, doesn't it? Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. What's that other one? Um, you're like the sum of the five closest people to you. Or one of them is like you, you'll probably earn the average of the five people that you're closest to. But also yeah. I think you're, you kind of become the average of the five people that you're closest to as well. So um, this is clearly the case with us two because we're, we're not just thinking in the same way. We're also wearing the same clothes. <laughs> So that's I think, it. Well, I think on that note, I think we started on the colour of our clothes. I think, should we, should we finish on the colour of our clothes there as well? I think that's a perfect place to stop uh, and, and end this. And uh, as ever, this is a constant learning journey for us. We're constantly improving things. So if anyone's got any thoughts on what you've seen, what you've heard, um, shoot them over to us. You can get us on uh, Instagram. I am the Spencer Ayres, as we remember from last week. And you are... Nick Himo. Nick Himo. So this has been the Spencer or the Spence and uh, Nick show, and we'll catch you next week, right? Yep, looking forward to it. <laughs>